Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So the president is in Europe, the vice president, to traveled to Central America. And there's going to be a lot of news on that over the next week. Um, Biden meeting with Putin next week is really going to be the culmination of the trip. And I feel like, I don't know if this was a good idea, but it's getting, I don't know if it's a good idea for Biden. Maybe it was going to happen inevitably, but the whole meeting with Putin thing, I feel like is being built up so that nobody's going to miss the day that it happened and, you know, and not hear what he had to say. So I don't know how he's going to handle that. Oh, I forgot. So we got, we got a clip on that. Um, Cause if you haven't heard this, it's kind of interesting. What's the clip uh, Biden telling that group of people about how he's going to stick it to Putin and everybody cheers? I really like that one. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Okay. This is a longer uh, trip about the whole uh, them all traveling. Uh, but 31 here, Sean. It's at the, at the, part- the end of this trip. The president tends to a delicate relationship with a leader he's singled out. So you know Vladimir Putin. You think he's a killer? Mm-hmm. I do. So what price must he pay? The price he's going to pay, well, you'll see shortly. That was about election interference. Will the president still take such a firm posture when talks turn to ransomware attacks launched by hackers inside Russia? The president says he doesn't want conflict, but that he'll be firm. I'm heading to the G7, then to the NATO ministerial, and then to meet with Mr. Putin to let him know what I want him to know. That's not what ransomware attacks sound like. That little sound effect they had in the back when they discussed it really quickly. I don't think that helps. <laughs> so that cheering there, I feel like Biden set himself up here that he's got to say something kind of strong to Putin. I'm going to let Putin hear what he needs to hear, whatever he said. I don't know. It's kind of old man talk. But the crowd <laughs> cheered, and he kind of made it sound like, you know, I'm going to really stick it to him. Okay. Uh, I don't know what exactly what you're going to say. Good luck on putting starch in his collar or whatever uh, old man colloquialism you want to throw at it. <laughs> uh, but I feel like he's raised the bar for what he needs to do with Putin, and we'll see how that plays politically and back at home. Hey, I'm an American. I don't uh, I don't root against Biden meeting with Putin. I want America to come out of that stronger and better. I want Biden to comport himself well and Putin to realize, you know, uh, America's strong and he should be scared of us. So to I meet hope- with Mr. Putin to let him know what I want him to know. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so, and he better, you know, he better be armed with a couple of comebacks because if, if Putin says something about, oh, so I'm a killer, am I? Well, you're a. What if what he what he wants him to know is his official ranking of hard candies? You got the Worthers. That's the best. <laughs> I want him to before he walks into the room with Putin. I want him to be picturing corn pop, <laughs> bringing to mind all his toughest stuff. Shadow boxing. Corn pop was a bad dude. Yeah, you need to bring back that Joe Biden, the Joe Biden that was the lifeguard at that pool when he had the hairy legs. A man. Willing, I got hairy legs. A man willing to get a chain. His apology chain. Yes. To walk out to the parking lot to make sure that there were no misunderstandings. But I'm going to wrap this chain around your head. A man who was willing as a child to get into chain fights with rusty blades. <laughs> and that's, that those days used to remember the straight race. You'd bang them on the curb, get them rusty, put them in a rain barrel, get them rusty. Yeah, that's the guy we need to walk in with Putin. 
Not a joke. Now, Putin pushes people out of windows if he doesn't like their opinion. Has them shot on the street. You never know. Joe Biden would get into rusty knife fights. So I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen? A couple old men. Uh, on the trip in general, Tucker Carlson was talking about how Kamala was received down in uh, Venezuela. Did I say cut 50? Because that's not what I want. I want cut 40. Um, uh, Tucker talking about Kamala down in uh, uh, Guatemala is where she was and how she was received there. You think you've had a stressful week. Imagine being Kamala Harris. You take your first big trip south of the border to what we used to call the developing world. And you're pretty excited about it because you know that as a licensed person of color, all the other people of color you're going to meet will be thrilled to see you. That's how it works in the people of color community. They've got so much in common that getting along is effortless. It's one big happy community. You're oppressed. They're oppressed. You'll be friends. If you're Kamala Harris, that's what you've always assumed. But it turns out you were wrong. You finally get to Guatemala and you discover that actually the people there detest you. They could care less about all the glass ceilings you say you've shattered. They're not impressed by your political science degree or the fact that you once chaired the Black Law Students Association in college. They find you phony and annoying. In fact, they strongly prefer the orange man you replaced. At least he was funny. So they tell you to buzz off and go home. Get out of here and don't come back. Imagine how that must feel if you're Kamala Harris. Quite the psychic blow. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know if this was a win overall or not. I heard some pundit that I like say Joe Biden had the worst week of his presidency last week, and most of it was around Kamala Harris. I don't know. Pundits say that sort of stuff. People that are overly fascinated with the ups and downs of politics. But we'll see how it plays over time. Um, You're kind of into the NFT thing, Sean. Kind of. Much more than I am. Um, People, the idea of selling tweets, an NFT of a tweet. Well, I have the original copy of the tweet. Uh, what's his name? The skinny guy who's starving, who's dating a supermodel now. Jack Dorsey? He's Jack, dating a su- supermodel? Yeah, over the weekend on a beach somewhere with uh, his supermodel girlfriend. He looks like he's dying. He looks like a cast. <laughs> they probably have very similar eating habits. Probably, for different reasons. <laughs> he looks like a castaway. Um, but he sold the uh, the first tweet ever that he tweeted on his own platform, right, for a ton of money. Yes, uh, there is some speculation that Anthony Weiner, remember the pervo congressman from mm. New York who yeah. was uh, tweeting at uh, high school girls, either knowingly or, unknow- knowingly or unknowingly, and ended up losing his job? He may sell his infamous crotch shot tweet as an NFT because it would bring so much money. Uh, this is probably a signal that we're at the top and I should sell everything that I uh, have since purchased. <laughs> Uh, at the top as a country, or are they with NFTs? No, with I the NFT. Like... This this seems like a uh, that's not a good signal for for something that I kind of like. I feel like if this happens, we're at the top as a country, and it's only downhill from there. And we've gone full uh, Roman Empire lions and Christians in the uh, in the Colosseum. If he starts selling crotch shots, and people are willing to pay for it, I, I guess the the ultimate tell will be what does it sell for. Yeah, well, if he makes it and it you know it goes for a penny, then okay, then still hope remains. Glenn Beck, radio host, who we're actually friends with, uh, nice guy, but he has rescinded his apology for calling Barack Obama a racist. That's the old double reverse. So he called Barack Obama a racist. Then he apologized for it. Now he's rescinded his apology. So if you're keeping track of that, that brings you up to speed on that whole story. Woo. And yeah, woo, glad I got that taken care of. And there's one other thing that I wanted to fit in. 
going to talk about the birth rate later. Maybe I'll just get to it next. So I talked yesterday on the show about um, the town I live in, one of the nicest areas of town downtown. There is a bench there in front of the Baskin-Robbins, prime territory for downtown, little square, big leafy trees, nice and shady, everything like that. One particular bum seems to own that bench. I've been there three times in the last couple of weeks. Every time I'm there, he's sprawled out on the bench. That bench seems to belong to him. I tweeted out about it yesterday. Some of the reactions to that I thought were really interesting on the Twitter. We'll run through some of those. You have you have differing views on how to handle this situation. I know how Portland's got it because they just passed a new law in Oregon about how to handle homeless people just uh, night before last. We'll have to bring you up to speed on that. Man, differing opinions depending on where you live on how to handle the homeless situation. That's on the way next. Armstrong and Getty. The reason the ultra-rich can dodge the IRS is because our government puts an emphasis on taxing labor income versus wealth. And much of the wealthy's wealth lies in things like vacation homes yachts, and shares and companies they run, which aren't considered taxable income, which is why smart eight-year-olds are now demanding the tooth fairy pay them in Tesla stock. Funny. My uh, my son, who was just on the show like an hour ago, go get the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. He had some insight on the state of California. Um, <laughs> he, he, uh, he lost a tooth the other day. His- I want to see him say that while you're drinking some water. <laughs> Uh, he lost a tooth the other night, and the tooth fairy came, and uh, should have had the tooth fairy drop off uh, Imperium? Ethereum. Ethereum. That's close. That's uh, close. I'm proud of you, Jack. A chuck of Ethereum. Yeah, that's uh, good. Stock. So I told the story yesterday. My town, USA, in California, pretty upscale, expensive little town that is way left. Rush Limbaugh made it famous as one of the uh, leading lights of uh, liberalism in America. And for whatever reason, um, because when I moved there, there weren't hobos everywhere, but there are hobos everywhere now. And uh, downtown, there's a little square, like there are in a lot of little towns, and you got a bunch of stores around it. And uh, one of the places right around this little square, where there are park benches and trees and stuff like that and shade, is the Baskin-Robbins. And so I took the kids to the Baskin-Robbins, and I've done that. Three times in the last couple of weeks. All three times that I've been there, the same homeless dude was camped out on the same bench. And he spread out across the bench using the whole thing. Not that anybody was going to go sit next to him anyway. And he's just, he's hanging out, man. So three times in a couple of weeks, I get the, the sense that it just that's his bench. That's where he hangs out. And a number of people who, who listen and live in the same town as me said, oh, yeah, that guy's always there. So I was just asking the, where are we as a society with uh, if a homeless people just decides no this is my part of the public park, I'm just this is where I am this is just where I'm going to stay. Do they get it? It would seem that they do in a lot of towns. They just get to claim it for themselves. It's like we're always mocking the idea of Columbus discovering America. There were already people here. You can't just step on the sand and say I've discovered America. This is mine. Well, this guy, this homeless guy, apparently just said, I discovered this bench. This is mine. I don't care that you taxpayers paid for it, that it's a nice, safe, shady, 
cool, pretty place to hang out with your kids and have a little ice cream for a few minutes. I've decided I'm going to camp out here, and nobody's going to sit on any of the benches around me because I smell bad, and I talk to myself and laugh and cry and scream, so everybody's scared at me. And as society, we're just going to decide, he gets that? What if another guy comes along and takes that other spot over there? It would only take, like, two more guys, and the whole square belongs to the homeless. Is, is that just okay? Anyway, so I tweeted that out at my town yesterday. I tweeted out, this guy seems to own this prime spot downtown. And the bench is around him because nobody wants to sit that close to him. Every time we go to Baskin-Robbins, he's got the best seat. Surely something can be done. And I wondered what the responses would be. Well, here was one response. I work less than 150 feet from be- that bench. That's John, who used to be a professor or high, or high up at the university. He's extremely mentally ill. He's harmless. And the story is not one of your bums and junkies types. He needs professional care but refuses it. I've known him for years. I thought, well, that's kind of interesting, except for it was followed by, I've heard this same story about bums in Palo Alto and other places. It's apocryphal but keeps getting repeated. So that's kind of interesting that there's a, like an apocryphal explanation for a constant hobo that is just made it into our lexicon that people throw out there. Or it's a coincidence. I don't know what. I don't know what. Uh, maybe you know. Is that, is that a story they tell in your town, too? Oh, no. He used to be a high school professor. He's mentally ill. It's not his fault. I mean, somehow that story just I, I, what, caught on. Why does whose fault it is come into the comment? I don't understand. I don't understand that either. I'm not, I'm not even trying to make it a fault. As I said no. yesterday, there really are just two options. If he's mentally ill... We need to get them into some sort of program, some sort of hospital, some sort of something. If he's a drug addict or an alcoholic, you got to boot him out of there and make him go somewhere else. It's one of those two things. Or And, and if you think he's a drug addict and so needs uh, to get into uh, some sort of uh, program for that, okay, then that. But allowing him to just hang out on the bench and he gets to own it is not one oh, of so, the options. So you're blaming. No, I'm not trying to blame. I'm trying to get the park bench back. Like, <laughs> I, I don't understand how these things creep into the conversation about fault and blame and uh, shame often comes into these sort of things. I, I, no, can we try to solve the problem? Uh, I'll just read through some of the text response is that we got yesterday. Tell Antifa that it's a Republican. Bear mace, murder hornets, just spitballing. No, I don't like any of those ideas. Um, I don't think Antifa has a line on murder hornets. Tim Sandifer replied... Reminds me of this incident in Hawaii where a homeless woman was living in a bus stop. So how did they handle it there? They started started stopping. They would they decided to stop the bus somewhere else. She's taking this bus stop, so we'll move the bus stop. It's hers now. That's kind of what we've done there. You'll have to eat your ice cream somewhere else because that bench belongs to him now. Uh, it's exactly like this, said another person. I've been posting pictures and sending them to the mayor and the media where these stories appear. Uh, their town, where people have just taken over something. Uh... I do feel like more and more we're reaching kind of a public critical mass of people being, okay, I'm compassionate, I'm not anti, but we need to do right. something. I would agree completely, because I have very lefty friends you know, living in where I live who have said, no, this has crossed some sort of line, something needs to be done. Uh, this person responded on the other side of the coin. I hate to be this guy, but why do you care? He isn't sleeping there or drinking or doing drugs. Some of the other examples are better that doesn't, isn't drinking or doing drugs. He's clearly drunk or high or very, very mentally ill. He's one of those three things. So the fact that he wasn't drinking or doing drugs 
as I sat there, and I'm, I think you're leaping to a conclusion. He isn't sleeping there or drinking or doing drugs. Some of the other examples are better than this one. We can't become a society who enforces park bench times, dude. Well, no. I, I, I don't think I want to put a meter on the bench of how long you get to sit there, but kind of seems like he owns that bench. And I think the people that pay the taxes that allow that area to be clean and safe and well-lit and the trash picked up and paid for the bench in the first place, those people should get to sit there sometimes, too, not just that guy, who I don't think is probably contributing a freaking thing to society at this point. Maybe not his fault. Might not be his fault at all. But then let's come up with a plan to deal with that. Um... It's a shame your state has chosen bums and junkies over hard workers and taxpayers. I will never come back until people screw their heads back on, okay? Um, in Eugene, they'd be provided with free tents, free burritos, and restroom facilities. Oh, yeah. I haven't gotten to the new law that they passed in Oregon just the night before last. Oregon lawmakers have passed a bill two nights ago protecting homeless from arrest, fines, or for camping in public. Similar to other laws you've heard in other places, Um It's up to the city now to provide the people somewhere to go. If they don't specifically have a place to go, you're not allowed to boot them out of anywhere. So they can indeed claim an overpass, a park bench, part of a park, whatever, and say, I've got nowhere else to go. Okay, then you get to stay because it's up to the taxpayer to come up with a place for you to stay, which is an interesting idea, and you're going to end up with a lot more of those people. I'll tell you that. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It is what it is, man. We'll focus and we'll control and and work on the guys that are here and try to help them become the best to their ability and coach the heck out of them. It is what it is. That's the coach of the Green Bay Packers about the fact that Aaron Rodgers did not show up to camp. The reigning league MVP in the NFL did not show up to practice because he's uh, he's holding out and could end up with a different team. So that's one sports story. Another one is that Scottie Pippen, if you're a little older and you remember the Chicago Bulls, and especially if you watched that documentary that was so huge during early in the pandemic when people were dying, there was no sports on. But if you're a sports fan, you could watch the Bulls um, series, The Last Dance. Yeah, phenomenal. Scottie Pippen, Some excellent Dennis Rodman stuff in there. Scottie Pippen hated it and thought it was way misleading as to his role in it. And he's got a new book comes out next week, and he's going to be making the rounds on a book tour talking about how he did not. He was the leader of that team in the locker room, not Michael Jordan. Okay, Pip. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But that will cause some controversy if you're a sports fan. If you're not a sports fan, you have no idea what I'm talking about, because I know what that's like when people talk about golf or soccer or some sport that I don't know anything about. Um, wanted to mention this. Do you remember when Trump, walked across from the White House to that church and held the Bible up. Well, that's when the, the rioting was going on and everything like that. Well, the story at the time, and for a long time, was that Trump wanted a photo op and had his brown shirts go out and beat peaceful protesters. Well, according to the Independent Inspector General report that came out yesterday, that's not what happened. They found that the U.S. Parks Police decision to violently clear protesters was not related to President Trump's Bible photo op that same evening. The The Bible! The evidence we obtained did not support a finding 
that the U.S. Park Police cleared the park to allow the president to survey the damage and walk to St. John's Church. Instead, the evidence we reviewed showed that the park police were there clearing the park to allow the contractor to safely install the anti-scale fencing because of the destruction of property and the injury to their own officers that occurred two days prior. A couple of days in a row, police officers actually got injured trying to protect stuff. And remember that church, a fire was set and everything? So, yeah, that's why they cleared the park out, not for Trump. When they asked the park police that night, is this for Trump? They said, I don't know what you're talking about. They didn't know anything about Trump coming over. So that's the report that came out yesterday. Of course, that's not going to make the news much because that's not near as fun a result as if it had been evil Trump, the the new Hitler, and his brown shirts. Um, Here's a story out of, uh, where did this happen? Where the cop flipped the car. I don't suppose it really matters what happened. Arkansas Freeway. Let's listen to the report. Anything that it doesn't fill in for details, we will. I fill believe in. this might actually be the. Uh, my, is this the actual the the dash cam? Yeah, it is. Yeah, so I don't think this is a report. This is the actual audio. You might be able to hear the the actual accident. So what what it would s- seem happen is a, a cop was going to pull over an SUV. The woman driving the SUV didn't feel like that was a safe place to pull over. I've been in this situation before where they turn on their lights, and, man, there's 80-mile-an-hour traffic, and you got barriers next to you, you're on an interstate. Yeah, there, there was some construction on the shoulder, so it wasn't a the, the, the usual full shoulder that you would be able to pull off on. Where, where are you supposed to pull over? Well, she was looking for a place to pull over, turned on her flashers even. The cop decided she was trying to run and went ahead and flipped her vehicle. Like, did that maneuver that they learn in cop driving school where they get their bumper in such a place that they can flip your vehicle. Boy, I, I unless this is like a really wanted bad guy, I don't think you flip the vehicle anyway for a routine traffic stop. Anyway, the woman was pregnant. Vehicle was flipped. She's suing. Let's listen to this audio. Are you the only one in the vehicle? Yes. Okay. Pregnant. Why didn't you stop? Because I didn't feel like it I had heard that that's what you do. You slow down, you put your flashers on, and you drive to a safe place. There was a less dangerous and more safe avenue that could have been taken before flipping her vehicle and make it bounce off a concrete barrier going 60 miles an hour. It was so scary. In my head, I was going to lose the baby. It's certainly a different way to handle it in Arkansas than they do in a lot of states. Like, I live in a state where they'll let somebody who's, like, suspected of a violent crime drive 100 miles an hour, you know, through the city for an hour as they as they let him go rather than do this sort of thing. And we've argued about that a lot. I hate high-speed chases because all you got to do is T-bone one person and you've killed them. Yes, Sean, uh, Michael? I got pulled over and the cop actually lectured me and said, you should have pulled over in a safer place. Why did you stop here? So it's a little confusing as the driver what you're supposed to do. But, you know, I don't like the high-speed chase um, thing because... Uh, it's so dangerous for everybody. Everybody that car goes by, their their life is at risk. On the other hand, you can't let it be known that, hey, run from the cops, they'll let you go. So that's not workable. But this was just, she was only suspected for speeding. That's not a flip your vehicle, might kill you sort of ticket that you get. Uh, the police says she fled. 
The woman says she was trying to find a safe place to stop on an interstate that had a reduced shoulder because of construction. Dash cam video that you just heard from Dunn's patrol car, that's the the police officer, showed Harper pulled into the right lane, slowed down, and turned on her hazards. What else do you want her to do, dude? If she'd accelerated to 100 and, uh, and started weaving in and out of traffic, maybe then you do the maneuver. Less than two minutes after turning on his blue lights, Dunn performed what they call the pit maneuver, which caused her to crash and flip. In my head, I was going to lose the baby, said the woman who you just heard. Why didn't you stop, said the police officer, because I didn't feel it was safe. Um, He's being sued. We'll see how this turns out. I think he was in the wrong on this one. That's a scary situation. I'd have done the same thing she did in that. In that, I, I don't think I would have even turned in on my, on my hazards. I don't think I'd have thought that. I'd have just slowed down and kept driving until I got to a place where I thought I could pull over. Well, you, you don't want to get flipped for that. Could have had kids in the car. That's that's ugly. Weird. Uh, that maneuver is being used more and more in Arkansas 144 times last year, double the number of times the year before. It's called a precision immobilization technique. Pit. P-I-T. Pit stop. Killed three people in 2020. Well, we'll have to argue this over as a society. See if it's something we're okay with or not. Uh, I want to absolutely have time to play the national anthem again. If you have not heard this, it's a playoff game, hockey, New Jersey. Crowd gets involved. It's the coolest, most patriotic thing I've heard in a while. With all the controversy we've had over who will or won't stand for the national anthem? Should we even have it at sporting events anymore? What's the reason? It's white supremacy. I'm kneeling, etc., etc. Wait till you hear this. It's pretty good. Armstrong and Getty. But what happens if you do a cannonball at our swimming pool, Henry? You get, like, what is it again? The uh, the, the pool police blow the whistle and what? come over, and, like, four lifeguards will fill out forms for, like, 20 minutes. I'm not exaggerating. This is actually why I hate California. <laughs> So you think he grows up in my house at all? <laughs> That's my son from earlier on the show, my nine-year-old. He's in our office right now uh, killing time because we had a child care issue. But he could, he could sit in our office forever. So I got him some snacks out of our uh, Chevron station little uh, snack area over there. Vending machine cafe. Yeah. And uh, he's got the computer set up watching uh, gamer videos on YouTube. He's got his Switch. He's got snacks. He could stay there till tomorrow. I'm sorry, are you talking about him or me? <laughs> um, got something good and patriotic I want, I get, want to get to here in a second. How much time have I got, Michael? I want to make sure I don't run out of time. Yeah, seven minutes. I have seven minutes? That's too much time. Too much time. Make that last, Michael. Yeah, find something to put in there. Like, <laughs> sell some commercials. Do you have a lawnmower to sell or anything like that? You could do it. Hi, I'm Michelangelo for my lawnmower. You should buy it. It's $100. The uh, YouGov poll on where do you think the virus came from? Quite a switch in attitudes 
in like the last six months. So it wasn't that long ago, the end of 2020, is just below half of people thought definitely, probably came out of a lab in China. 49% of Americans said that in 2020. It's now up to 58%, so a good solid majority. And the people who say definitely not has gone from a third down to 18%. And I got to feel that those numbers are going to continue in the direction that they're already going. So if you got about 60% of Americans believe it came out of that lab in China, uh, it'll be two-thirds or more uh, by the time we're all it's all said and done. Especially when Biden's 90-day uh, look into this comes back. Remember, he, he gave him the task of, uh, just, I don't know why 90 days, but he gave him the task of a 90 days coming back with a report, all the intelligence we have on where the dang virus came from, and... Um, I think that's going to pretty solidly move the needle at that point, for better or worse. This was at a hockey game, playoff game for the New Jersey, whatever they call their hockey team. The Devils, Islanders, something like that. New York's the Islanders. I think the New Jersey Devils. I think you're right about that. I don't know much about hockey. I know that from because uh, Putty from Seinfeld was a was a Devils fan. All right, he painted and, uh, himself red. Yeah, yeah, and he painted the face. Elaine didn't like that, so he said, "Okay, fine, no more face painting." Painted his chest because Putty <laughs> is an innovator. <laughs> you stole my Jesus fish. <laughs> so uh, this was at a New York Islanders playoff hockey game, and with all the kerfluffle around the national anthem we've had in the last couple of years. This was pretty awesome to hear the way the uh, crowd got involved. And now, please join Nicole Revive as we sing together our national anthem. Oh, sir, can you see by the dawn's early light what's so bright? times we play the entire national anthem like that but that was freaking awesome really really like that a lot way to go new jersey way to go hockey fans very cool um speaking of america as we just were with the national anthem we set a new record in 2020 for fertility rate being low that is not having babies 
the record of 2020 broke the record we set in 2019, which broke the record we set in 2018. I think you'll see a pattern here. And we're expected to break the record again in 2021 as we go lower and lower with uh, our fertility rate and having babies. This has happened all around the developed world, not just in the United States. It is quite something. Nobody's exactly sure why. Currently, well, like I've thrown this stat around for years, right? Because I'd read about this, that the replacement rate is 2.1. You need to have, two point on an average, 2.1 live births per woman to, uh, to, to remain flat. Anything below that and your population starts to decrease. Above that, your population grows. We are now currently at 1.64. We're not even close. It's the lowest children per women in the United States since they started keeping track. And they started keeping track in the 30s. Before that, there was no point in keeping track because every family had three, four, five kids. It was never even an issue before then. But it's, they noticed it. It seemed like it started going, going down. So in 1930, they started keeping track. We've never had numbers even close to this in the United States or anywhere else in the developed world. Nobody knows why it's happening. Nobody knows what to do about it or if anything even can be done about it. Um, by the way, that number 2.1 is kind of theoretical anyway. They're not exactly sure if that's as accurate as they thought. The theory was back in the day when the population, when, when the, the birth rate was starting to go going down, that in industrialized countries, people were gaining access to better medicine, sanitation, safer drinking water, leading to a sharp drop in death rates. And because you had a drop in death rates with more children surviving to adulthood, people just started having fewer kids. I have no idea if that's realistically why, like, you you would have... They're saying, like, subconsciously, we we are just assessing that sum total of people on the planet at any given time, and therefore... Or for our own family, we're deciding that, you know, it's only going to have three kids, but the way people die... You know, old Clem got run over by a, a stagecoach the other day. I mean, people die left and right around here. We probably ought to have a fourth kid. I, I don't know if yeah. I believe that. I think there's something really, really subconscious going on with it that, like, you can't you can't get to. It's, it's deep inside us. Um, I mean, the the need to procreate is the strongest thing we have. I mean, immediately breathing, eating. But outside of that, our genes are screaming out to procreate for all beasts. And that stopped? It's just going the other direction? It's something way, way, way deeper than amusement or... I I have no idea what it is, but... Man, 1.64. I didn't know it was that low. Hey, kids. It's that time again. With Armstrong and Getty. Here's your host for final thoughts. It's Michelangelo, our board operator. Yeah, you know, your son doesn't like the state of California. I found out why. I was talking to him. He said that when he the tooth fairy came, they charged him a tooth disposal fee. So he made very little <laughs> on that deal. Oh, yeah. yeah, the environmentalists. Now they, they charge you like five bucks to get rid of your tooth. It's ridiculous. It's like Safe handling can... fee. This is technically toxic waste. Yeah, sure. Or, or like a medical waste. For your final thought, here's Sean. I was reading a book about uh, bee behavior the other day, and I, uh, I found this, uh, I see this happen all, far too often in all sorts of animals. One of the great pitfalls in one's quest to understand bee behavior is the tendency to be anthropomorphic. I can't say that word. We tend to ascribe human attributes to bees, such as the ability to think, have an overall awareness of events, to plan ahead, to do all these things that we might do if we were in their situation with right. human brains. Right. Don't do that. They're animals. Yeah. They don't. 
they, they aren't happy or sad. They aren't having a tough time. They're just animals. They're just being. Don't don't project your stuff onto the animals. My final thought on the backs of just talking about the low birth rate and the fact that I had my son into the studio. I realize I'm not going to change anybody's mind. For God's sakes, don't have or not have kids or have another kid or not have another kid based on what a disc jockey said on the radio. But I will say this. I thought my life was perfectly fine and completely fulfilled up until the moment that I had children. And now with two kids, I cannot even imagine what the point of being alive was before I had kids. That's how much it dominates uh, your entire existence. I just, I, for me, only speaking for me, not for anybody else, doesn't mean I'm right. I got no reason to be alive if I'm not raising my children. Um, and I didn't feel that way before I had kids. Joe agrees, I'm sure. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank, and so many things you can get at armstrongandgetty.com, whether it's hours of the podcast, or you buy some gear from our gear store, or whatever. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. That is the climax of foolishness. So it's a hustle. Yeah, it's a hustle. <laughs> Go away. Screw it. I'm leaving. I'm doing the work. Is it, It's sort of... It's kind of bogus. Get over it. I'm just saying. Word. That's the awesome. I think this is so ill-advised. I'm gonna call my lawyer. Gun. And when it's over, it is over. It is over. You are being a grumpy pan. What does it have to be? You, you, you. Catch me outside. How about that? Armstrong and Getty.